So Mark Twain said, the secret to getting ahead is getting started. And Zig Ziglar said, you don't got to be great to get started, but you got to get started to become great, right? Isn't that exciting? Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, my name is Danny. We're in a series right now called Start. And I'm very excited that you've decided to join us, and we take that serious, that you've accepted an invitation from a, from a friend or somebody else, and, and you're here tonight, and we just hope that, uh, that your experience will continue to be a good one thus far. We're in the week number two of a series called Stark. If you missed last week, I would just encourage you to go back and watch uh, week number one on the podcast. I, I know it will be a blessing to you. Here's basically the gist of what we said. I'll give you a quick snapshot. We basically said that all of us want to experience some type of change in our life this year. That's, that's just normal. We'd like to change something, maybe something in our body, maybe something in a, in a relationship, maybe you'd like your marriage to improve, maybe you'd just like your general level of happiness to go up. Maybe this year you'd like to deepen your faith and walk a little bit closer with God. Maybe you'd like to move into a different house. Maybe you'd like to make more money this year. But all of us have something we want to change in our lives. And last week we said that the secret to changing is starting with yourself. Isn't that true? Meaning that most of the problems, most of the difficulties, the reasons why we don't change, the reason why we don't experience those things is because the pain and the suffering is often self-inflicted. Like we got to start with ourselves if we want to change our life. The scriptures say, above all else, guard your what? Guard your heart because everything flows from our heart. And so we basically said it's the condition of our heart that determines the quality of our life. So if we want to change, we got to change from the inside out. Do you agree with this? Now that's just the 30 second version of last week's talk. Please go back and watch that if you missed it. Today what I want to do is kind of look at this word start from a different angle. Okay, I want to I wanna just kind of take a different perspective today on this whole issue of start. Okay, now some, many of you know who Usain Bolt is, right? He's, right now, he's the fastest man in the world. Like, he's sick fast, okay? Like, he ran the 100-yard dash in 9.58 seconds. Have you seen him run? It looks, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch this guy run. He looks like, it's like he gets shot out of a rocket on the, on the, on the track and field there. And uh, I'm here to tell you today that I believe, I believe deep down in the core of my being that I could actually beat him in a race. I believe that. You might be thinking, what are you smoking, Danny? No, seriously, I believe I've been doing some training. I've been getting back in the gym. Anybody else getting back in the gym? It's kind of fun to do that in January. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. I've been doing some work, and I've been doing some legs, and I believe that I can beat Usain Bolt in the 100-yard dash if I had a seven-second start. Because I figure if I had a seven-second start, I could make it to, like, around the 60-yard mark. And, you know, I'd only have 40 to go. And that, he, and that no matter how fast he is, you know, I, I would be able to beat him. Do you agree? If I had a seven-second head start on Usain Bolt, could I beat him in the 100-yard dash? Do you agree with this? Come on. I mean, I know it would be close, but come on. Seven seconds? You know, I'm not that old yet, but, but see, I do, I do believe if I had, if I could start early, I believe that I could beat him in the 100-yard dash. See, there's power behind this idea of starting 
early. If, we, if, if you and I decided to race to Chicago in our cars, and I had an hour and a half start ahead of you, okay, there's a likelihood that I'm going to get to Chicago faster than you, okay? It's just, it's just the way it is when you have a head start. And so what I want to do today is talk about this idea of getting a head start in certain areas of our life because there's power there. In your notes, the first thing I want you to see is this, is that starting early is vital to success in any area of your life. I'm talking about in your marriage, in your health, I'm talking about your finances, I'm talking about parenting your children, you're helping with your grandkids. Starting early is vital to any area of your life. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about leveraging the power of time to your advantage. See, the reason that starting early is, is so vital to success is because when you start early, you actually get time working for you and not against you. And that is the key to success, at least part of success, is getting time working for you. Listen, in, in, in any area of your life, whatever that area is, isn't it true that when you make great decisions consistently and early on in your life and you do them over and over and over, isn't there a cumulative effect? Isn't there a buildup in your life? I mean, think about, think about a relationship. When you make great decisions in a relationship, be it a marriage or a friendship or a business partnership or whatever, and you're just great decisions early on in that relationship and you continue to do it over and over and over, what builds? What do you get a lot of? Don't, don't you get a lot of trust? Anybody with me today? Don't you get a lot of trust and it builds and, you, and, and this person learns that, oh yeah, they do the right thing over and over and over and I can trust them and they, they make the smart move and the wise decision and they do what's best for me, not just best for what's best for them. And all of a sudden, you get this cumulative effect of trust. And isn't trust the glue to every great relationship? And the same thing works for money. Isn't it true that when you make awesome, great relationships, awesome, great relationships, okay, really good <laughs> decisions uh, when it comes to money, there is a cumulative effect that over time, as you get time working for you, there are incredible results. That's why this whole idea works for us, that when we start early, there are, there are massive results. And you know, when you look at people who have been really successful in life, uh, you know, like be it a, an athlete, like a Tiger Woods or a Peyton Manning or somebody else like that. It's not just athletes, it's also musicians and artists. And you look at when they started in their craft. When did they start? Like in their 20s? 30s? Come on, talk to me. When did they start? They started when they were like five, right? They started swinging a golf club. They started dribbling a basketball when they were like four or five, even younger. And, and, and they did it every day, almost every, almost every week. And what happens is all of this skill starts to accumulate and all this knowledge starts to accumulate. Celine Dion, I did a little research on her. She was five years old. I mean, she started singing before that. But she was five years old when she did her first public appearance at her brother's wedding. Five. She sang in front of the whole, the whole wedding. And by the age of 12, she had, with her mom's help, she had written her first song. By the age of 13, she was discovered. And she became this massive, you know, success. And now she's, she's got the most records sold of any female artist ever in the history of the world. <laughs> and she started when she was five years old, even earlier. There's, a, there's actually a body of research on this whole idea that's, uh, that's, that's been done by several different people. 
And uh, the, the result of the research is something called the 10,000 hour rule. Have you heard of it? The 10,000 hour, hour rule says this, in order to become a master at any skill or anything that you do, be it a, playing a musical instrument or some type of sport or whatever it is you're doing, you need to accumulate 10,000 hours of focus, what they call, quote, deep practice. And when you get those 10,000 hours in, you have reached the top of your field and you're, you can become this massive success. And so they did all this research and Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called uh, Outliers, and, and he looked to see if this was true in different people's lives. Chapter 2 is called the 10,000 hour rule, and so they looked at Bill Gates, and they studied his life, and they found that it was true, that he had put in 10,000 hours before anything significant had happened in his life, any, any type of products came to being. They looked at the Beatles, same thing with the Beatles. Before the Beatles made it big, they had 10,000 hours of playing in front of audience night after night, weekend after weekend, and it's just, it's just a body of research there. And so what, what am I saying? I'm saying when you get an early start, you have time working for you, and that leads to all kinds of success. So what would happen? What would happen? I know I'm excited. Anybody else excited about this? This is good stuff right here. This is life-changing stuff right here. What would happen if you just started to apply this principle of starting early in key areas of your life, like the most important areas of your life, what would happen? Here's what will ha- I'm telling you, here's what will happen because it's happening in my life. Not perfectly, but it's happening. There's this cumulative thing that starts to build and build and build, and awesomeness starts to happen. And, and that's not even, you don't even talk that way, but, but it's just awesomeness. It's just greatness starts to happen because you're building this, 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 this mountain of goodness starts to erupt out of your life. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about five key areas where you need to start early in your life, okay? Let's run through these really quick. Number one, I believe you need to start early in the Word of God. You need to start early in the Word of God. This past year, a thousand of you accepted Christ. 1,009. Last week, 19 more people put their faith in Jesus Christ, went back there and got a Bible. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Exciting, right? Listen, listen, listen. That's just the start. The reason we put a Bible in your hand is because you got to start early in the Word of God. You put your faith in Jesus. You said the prayer. Listen, listen we're, we're celebrating with you. We're happy for you. But you need, the reason we gave you a Bible is because you got to start early. When I, when I first put my faith in Jesus Christ, I had this older gentleman. He, he was probably 75. He was a retired missionary from Africa. He, and I would go to church, and he would put these little index cards in my hand, he, like, like, like this one here. He would say, hey, hey. Memorize that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Memorize that. I don't know how to memorize anything. You know, I think I did maybe the Constitution in the third grade or something. But and but I started to do it. The first verse he gave me was Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Oh, this is incredible. I'm so glad he gave this to me. Listen to this passage right here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable, if there's anything of excellence or if there's anything worthy of praise, watch this. Think about these things. And I started to look at that verse and memorize that verse, and, and I was a brand new Christian. I was probably 17 and a half, 18 years old, and I began to meditate on that. And he, next day, next week, he'd give me another verse, and I would memorize it. And, and, and I'm so glad he started me on this verse because he taught me a huge lesson through Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And then this is the lesson, that the way a person changes is through their mind. It's through their thoughts. That means that we are basically transformed by the renewal of our minds. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, right? So the way we change is right here in our mind. That's where we start. So if you want to change your behavior, a bad habit, or something that you do that's, that you don't like in your life, where do you start? 
You start right here. You think about what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and excellent, worthy of praise. And you fill your mind with that stuff. And then all of a sudden, your life starts to change. And so I began to do that right out of the gate. I remember I had a little Gideon's Bible. Anybody ever seen those little green Gideon's Bibles? I would, go, I would get on a bus in front of my house. I would take, I would take that to a ferry boat. And I lived in New York City. And I would get on the ferry boat. And then I'd get on a train. And I had three different, you know, uh, means of transportation, and the whole time I'd be just looking at this little Gideon's Bible, memorizing Bible verses. That was at 18 years old, 19 years old. I had no idea that that would lead me to become a pastor. Not even the foggiest idea. I just knew my life was changing because I started early in the Word of God. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 3. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. How often? Or like what? Richly, Right? Let it dwell in you richly. Don't dabble with it. See, some of you are dabblers. You know who I'm talking to. Some of, some, when it comes to the word of God, some, you don't let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You dabble with it. You, you, you read it every now and then. <laughs> See? It, it, and you're like, well I, well, I go to church. I listen to the preacher put the words on the screen. Isn't that enough? No! That's not enough. You have to let the word of Christ, if you, you have to let it dwell in you richly. How do you get it in you richly? You have to meditate on it, memorize it, where it's flowing through your mind and through your heart, where it's on the tip of your tongue. The scriptures say meditate, meditate on it day and, and, and night, right? That's how you get the word of Christ in you richly, and that's how your life changes. And you've got to start early with that. Some of you just started the one-year New Testament. I'm so glad that you did. I hope you go all the way through the whole year. You read this last week, didn't you? Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is being tempted, in the, he's being tempted in the wilderness. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He is starving. And who shows up? Who shows up? Come on. Satan shows up and tempts him three separate times. And what does Jesus do? Three separate times, Jesus quotes verses from the book of Deuteronomy. I want to show you verse 4. Jesus says to the, he says, people do not live by bread alone. He's talking right to Satan. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Boom! <laughs> not exciting Satan takes uh, Jesus takes the word of God and he rebukes Satan and he fights him he fights Satan's temptation off with the power of the word of God well how did he do that it was in his mind it was in his heart it was on the tip of his tongue he had the word of he had the word of God dwelling richly inside of him see some of you wonder why does my Christian life not produce joy and peace and victory over temptation and victory over sin you wonder that you want to know why the word of Christ is not dwelling in you richly and if it's not dwelling in you richly you you're you're powerless you agree with this you're not with me tonight are you and this is good stuff. You, listen, here's what happens. Here's what happens, ready? When you, when you start early in the word of God, like right out of the gate, there is a cumulative effect. And here's how it's worked in my life and in the life of any, of any Christian that I have seen that has power in their life. What happens is the hope starts to build. And you know, and I know, you need hope in this life, do you not? Because stuff happens, doesn't it? Come on. Stuff happens, right? So you need hope to be building. What, you know what you also need? Wisdom, right? Because you got to make choices in this life. Difficult choices all the time. Well, as the word of God is building and building and building, your wisdom is building and building and building. What else do you need in this life? Inspiration. Because life gets, it gets difficult. There's gloomy days. The sun doesn't come up. It's freezing cold. I want to start a third campus in Florida right now. How about you? Forget about Franklin or downtown Indy. Let's go to Florida, right? So, so why? Because it gets cold. It's, it gets dark. It gets gloomy. 
right? And you need inspiration. What does the word of God do? It inspires you. And, it get, and you get inspired, and it grows, and it grows. You know what else grows? Your faith. As you take the word of God and you read the stories of the Old Testament, the stories of the New Testament, and you do it consistently and early and, and, and all the way through, your faith builds. That's why I'm nuts about telling you to read the scriptures. Meditate on the scriptures. Take them into your spirit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You got that? Look at somebody right now next to you and say, start early in the word. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Start early in the word. We got to start early in the word. Start early in the word. Let me give you the second one. Let me give you the second one. You got to start early, number two, with your money. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. People get funny in church when you talk about money in church. Here, I see, I knew this was coming. The preacher's going to talk about you need to give more to the church. This is why I don't go to church, because they talk about money. Hey, take a chill pill for a second, okay? I'm not talking about that. I could talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. You guys did fantastic over the month of December. I hope you continue. But that's not what I want to talk about. I'm not going to tell you to get on a budget. I'm not going to tell you to give 10%. All those things are good. Here's what I want to talk to you about, because I care about you and I love you. I want to talk to you about investing. I want, to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about taking your money and making your money work for you instead of you just working for your money. And there is a huge difference. Do you agree with this? So does the Bible talk about being rich? Does the Bible talk about having money? Is, is having money evil? I mean, those are good questions, aren't they? Listen to what the, the, one of the wisest people ever lived said in Proverbs chapter 21. He said, the wise, not the rich, the wise have wealth uh-oh, luxury? Is that in the Bible? Abundance? Extra? Yeah. The wise have that. But fools spend everything they get. Most of Americans today are paycheck to paycheck. What does that mean? That means that you, your, your money comes in and your money goes out. And if you lost your job, you, it wouldn't be very long before you couldn't pay your bills. Most of Americans are there. Fools spend everything they get, paycheck to paycheck. But on the flip side, wise people have wealth and luxury. I used, when I grew up, I used to always just think that you know, we didn't have much money. You know, grew up in the projects and in Staten Island, New York. And, and not that my mom and dad weren't hard workers. They were the hardest workers I've ever seen. We just didn't have a lot of money. And I would have, like, rich friends. And I'd always look at my rich friends and be like, lucky. You got lucky. I just thought rich people were lucky. That's all. It's not that they worked harder. My parents certainly worked harder than anybody else I knew. I just thought it was an issue of luck. You know what the Bible says? It's not an issue of luck. It's an issue of wisdom. And it's not a sin to have extra. And I'm not sitting here telling you that I want to be rich. I'm telling you I want to be wise. Because when you have money, you have options. Isn't that true? When you don't have money, you don't have options. Think about it this way. Right? What, remember the story of the Good Samaritan? He's on the road and he comes across the guys who were beaten up and left for dead. Two religious guys walk by, they don't even help him. But this good Samaritan stops, and he helps the dude, puts oil on his, in his wounds and bandages him up, takes him into town, pays the bill for the hotel. Somebody said this one time, how is it that the good Samaritan was able to help that dude? Because he had money. He had money. He had extra in his pocket. And because he had money in his pocket, extra cash, he was able to bless that dude and save his life. That's why I believe God wants us to have extra. 
So not to consume upon ourselves and buy more stuff for ourselves, but to be a blessing to people in need. Is, the, our, is our world not a world in need? Do you believe this? Everywhere you look, there's a need. My goodness. And we have to have some cash. We have to have some fat pockets. Don't you agree with this? Come on, this is fun. I know you want to have some extra money. I'm just challenging why you want to have it. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you that you need to be wise and invest your money, and you need to start early. It was Albert Einstein who said this, the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Like, what the heck does that mean? I didn't know either at one point. But I was so thankful that I had a friend of mine introduce me to Dave Ramsey early on in our marriage. And he introduced us to this, compound, uh, this, uh, this uh, idea of compound interest. So I started asking questions. And sure enough, I found out that the church had a, had a 401k plan. And we call it a 403 plan. And, and it's this idea that you invest in mutual funds and that it, the interest compounds. And, and I don't really understand it all. I mean, I could take a few minutes to explain it. But you don't really understand it. You just need to apply it. You just need to leverage this principle. Here's how it works. I'll give you an example that Dave Ramsey uses in his, in his course. He talks about two brothers, Ben and Arthur. Have you heard this illustration? Ben and Arthur both graduate high school, about 19 years old. Ben decides to invest $167 a month, about $2,000 a year at the age of 19 all the way to 27. And then he stops. He says, I'm done. I don't want to invest anymore. Okay? Total investment, about $16,000. Arthur, on the other hand, he's 19. He, he kind of wants to buy a car and, you know, party. You know, 19-year-olds, right? Crazy. They don't want to save any money. They just want to spend. But then at 27 years old, Arthur decides he needs to settle down and start investing some of his cash. So he starts investing $167 a month, or about two grand a year. He does it all the way to 65. Total investment, 78 grand. Okay? So Ben, 16 grand. Arthur, 78 grand. Well, after 60, at, at the age of 65, Ben, because of compound interest, again, I don't have time to explain it all, because of compound interest, he's got $2.3 million. Arthur, on the other hand, he's got about 1.5. Invested 78,000 to Ben's 16,000. It is incredible. So my wife and I, early on, we just decided, man, we really can't, you know, afford to do this, but we have to do it because of the power of compound interest. So years ago, we started taking 6% of our salary and putting it in this mutual fund thing and just forgetting about it. Why? Because of compound interest. Some of you need to start early with your money. Look at your neighbor right now and say, start early with your money. Come on, let's have some fun. Start early with your money. you got to do this. Let me give you the third one. Let me give you the third one. you got to start early with your marriage. Oh, boy. Let's talk about marriage, baby. I was going to have my wife come up here and teach this, but she's back with the kids right now in the children's section. She's teaching a class. And she would have taught this much better than me because, anyway. But... I want, to give you, so I want to give you some ideas here about marriage that, that, that God allowed us to see early on and that we've been trying to apply for 15 years. Amazing, we've been married for 15 years. Crazy. Anyway, it is so hard to have a good marriage. Those of you who are married, you understand this, right? I mean, it's like, how do you have a marriage that is enjoyable and, and, and there's deep friendship and there's deep trust and, and there's no suspicion and, and it's, just, oh, it's just, you know what I'm talking about? How do, it's so hard to have that. You know, 50% of people get divorced today, and the 50% who stay together, we don't even know if they're happy, <laughs> right? There's no way to tell. I mean, they could just be enduring each other, you know what I mean? Like, I want to have that, oh, that friendship, that I love you, like, let's hang out type of, you know, marriage. You know what I'm saying? How do you have that? And that's what I wanted and when I was early, when I was like 19 or 20 years old. Here's what I believe with all my heart. You might want to write this down. Success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. 
You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like, you don't have to figure marriage out yourself. Some of you are not married. You need to listen up because one day you're probably going to be married. Some of you are divorced. You're not married. You better listen up because you have a chance to do it right the second time. Okay? Let me give you five things really quick that I believe have helped Jackie and I just man have that not perfect marriage please don't hear me say that but just a an enjoyable deep friendship watch this number one seek first to understand see I'm a huge knucklehead and I'm willing to admit that I'm just I talk too much I don't listen I, I forget that I've got two ears and one mouth okay anybody else there with me but I started to read, see, success leaves clues. So I started to like read marriage books and success books. And I found out, found this principle from Stephen Covey who wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it was a business book, but I took those principles out and I started to apply them to my marriage. I figured if they work in business, they'll work in my marriage. And so I began to listen to Jackie. This is a crazy idea. <laughs> I began to like sit down and be like, okay, so tell me, tell me how you feel. Tell me what you think. And I, and I discovered that this woman was brilliant, and she's smart, and she has good perspective, and I'm not the only smart. See that? I think I'm smart. So, so <laughs> some pride issues there. And so, so I began to listen to her heart, and then she felt valued. And what I was doing as I was bulldozing over her, and I wasn't listening, I was talking over her, because that's the house I grew up in. It was just talk loud, you know, <laughs> if you want to get your way. And we started to do this early on in our marriage, and man, it helped so much, because I heard her heart, and she felt valued, and she'd ask me what I thought, and then I'd speak, and she'd listen. And, and communication is so important to a good marriage, right? So you gotta, you got to seek first to understand. Number two, watch this, practice the 777 plan. Oh, this has been such a blessing. Early on in our marriage, uh, we had a youth pastor come to us and say, hey, 777, like, what's that? Every seven days, a date. Every seven weeks, an extended date. Every seven months, a vacation with no kids. I was like, okay. He said, you do that. You invest in your wife. You date her. And you take her out. And you spend time with her. I'm telling you, what's going to happen is there's going to be a cumulative effect, effect over time. And, and you're going to have, your relationship is going to have the priority. And you guys are going to, you're not going to allow life to get so busy to where you lose that friendship. See, that's what happens. Life, you throw some kids in the mix and some sports and some stuff. And all of a sudden, you're going every different way. And who's got a job and money and bills. And, and, and you, lose, you lose the relationship. 777 early in our marriage has helped us to get to where we are today 15 years in so we don't date every week but we try to every seven weeks we don't do an extended date but we try to every seven months we don't do a vacation but we try to and so we've been really close to getting this plan down and our friendship is still real number three number three don't expect your spouse to make you happy oh boy oh boy <laughs> I remember we went to a marriage conference early on. Again, you got to do this stuff early, 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 because there's a cumulative effect. We went to this marriage conference, and we learned that, hey, your spouse is not God. Stop expecting them to make you happy. And we were just, we, that's what we were doing. We were having tension, and the tension as, as, a, as a newly married couple was that I thought you were going to make me happy. Like, I thought marriage was supposed to make me happy, and she's looking at me saying the same thing. Well, I thought you were going to make me happy. I thought you were the man of my dreams. And I'm like, yeah, but you have faults too. And, and it was this back and forth thing. Then we went to this conference, we came back, and we looked at each other in the face and said, okay, time out, time out. You're not Jesus, and I'm not Jesus. So I'm going to stop expecting you to make me happy, and you're going to stop expecting me to make you happy. Agreed? Man, since that time, <laughs> here's, what, here's what Jackie and I have become. We've become the icing on the cake to each other. Not the cake, 
The cake is Jesus. The cake is, is the Messiah. The cake is the water of life. The cake is the, you know, the cake is God. He makes us happy, and then we help each other. Right? That is how you have a great marriage. Stop expecting your spouse to make you happy. They are not God, and they will never do it. Do you agree with this? Some of you are married a long time. You know this stuff. Amen? Amen? This is good stuff, isn't it? Let's look at number four. Got to do this stuff early. Oh, boy. Man, you got you to get better. Look, look, you and I got some stuff going on that ain't right. <laughs> it's not, it's screwed up, it's dark, it's twisted. You selfishness, bitterness, jealousy, insecurity, all that stuff that's going on in the heart and the spirit. If you don't get better over time, you're going to make life with your husband, life for your husband, life for your wife, miserable. Do you agree with this? I mean, each year you have to have reasonable progress in your personal life. That's why last week we started with, if you want to change your life, you got to change yourself. Because it's the condition of our heart that determines the quality of our life. I've just committed for the benefit of my wife to get better myself. The best way I can love Jackie is to improve me so that when she's around me, she doesn't have to deal with a temper. She doesn't have to deal with impatience. She doesn't have to deal with overspending. She doesn't have to deal with any type of indulgence. She just gets a man Hopefully, over time, that's kind of like Jesus. Isn't that the goal? Wouldn't it be awesome to, marry, to be married to somebody who's, a little, who's like Jesus, right? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> in fact, marriage is not supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you holy, right? That's what God does in a marriage. we got to get better. Last one. Watch this. Boom. Boom. Ed Young Sr. said it this way. A great marriage is not made up of two great lovers, even though that's what Hollywood wants you to think. You know, great sex is a great marriage. It helps. <laughs> it's fun. But that's not, that's not the solid rock of a great marriage. It's grace, man. It's grace. It's forgiveness. It's when your wife looks at you and says, I forgive you. Man. It's when you look at your spouse and you say, yeah, I know. It hurts. It hurt when you did that, but I forgive you. I forgive you. Because Christ has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive you. And it's a lack of forgiveness, and it's a buildup of resentment, and it's a buildup of anger and hatred that causes that split and causes that divorce. And it's a lack of grace. I'm telling you, you got to start early with this, and you got to get on it and say, I will forgive you when you offend me. And you got to practice it because forgiveness takes some practice. You agree with this? Man, we got to start early, early, early. I was so blessed to be able to, to, to believe in my heart that success leaves clues. And so I started reading books. I started to learn this stuff. And I immediately started to apply it to our marriage. And we've seen incredible results. Let me give you the next one. you got to start early in your parenting. I'll be brief here. I know we don't all have kids. I know many of us have grandkids, but boy, I'll tell you what, I was so blessed in my life to have someone put a book in my hand called Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you have a kid, kids, and you haven't read Shepherding a Child's Heart, please, please read that book. We read it early on in our marriage. I think, even, I think we might have had one child at the time. And that book helped us understand not to focus on behavior, but to focus on the heart. Because again, everything comes from the heart. And what parents want to do is focus on behavior. Behavior modification, that's not, that's not the way to go. I know it's tempting to do that, but, but you got to focus on the heart because the behavior comes from the heart. And so what we learned from this book, 
we learn, that, we learn the idea of what obedience really is. In, in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it says that children are to obey their parents. Some of you didn't know that was in the Bible. You're like, yes. That's awesome. I could, I could use that in the house. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is the right. It's the right thing to do for kids to learn how to respect and honor authority. See, I believe our country is in chaos right now, in large part because children never learn to obey their fathers and mothers in the home. Are you agree with this? It's craziness. It's got to start with authority. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You're the authority. I'll do what you say. It's got to start there, and it's got to be from the heart. It can't just be just lip service. So the, the challenge for parents is to, is to help their children understand what obedience is and why they need to obey authority. So in this book, Paul Tripp, the author of the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, he said this was a definition of obedience. He said obedience is without argument, excuse, or delay. What is obedience? What, what does it look like for your child to obey you? Without argument, excuse, or delay. And some of you are like, man, my kids are disobedient. I know. I know, mine are too. It's a, it's a journey, isn't it? We started early on with our first child. Say, look, you're delaying. I told you to do that. You're, there's a pause. How come you didn't do it right away? Consequence. You're arguing right now. You're, you're making an excuse right now. Consequence. And it wasn't out of anger. See, this set us up for success because we knew what obedience was, and we didn't have to get mad. We just said, look, you did it, and here's the consequence. Calm. Now, I'm not saying I don't get angry from time to time. Okay, we blow, we blow this up and screw it up. And it's mostly me. It's not Jackie. But most of the time, it's like, look, you, we told you not to do that. You did it. We told you to do it. You didn't do it. Here's the consequence. No anger. And here's, the, here's what Paul Tripp helped us to see in this book. You got to do this early, early, early. Can't wait to 13, 14. It's too late. It's too late. You got to do it early with the kids. Even like six months old, seven months old when they're looking, reaching for the socket, you know, and all that stuff. You got to start early with this stuff, right? Here, here's the power of, of, of disciplining without anger. Watch this. You teach them that they've broken God's law, not yours. Uh-oh. See, the job of a parent is to help their children launch out of the home fearing God, not you. And when you're always disciplining out of anger, you're teaching them that I've, I've made daddy mad. Well, one day daddy's not going to be around. And when daddy's not around, when I go off to college, I'm going to have a blast. And that's why kids go off the deep end. Listen, that's why you went off the deep end, am I right? <laughs> you were finally free from mom and dad. And you went crazy. Some of you did. But when you discipline, just calm and relaxed, you're, you're saying, hey, you've, you've broken God's law here. I'm just representing him. And, and now what happens over time is you do that and you start early. When those kids leave the house, you know what they're concerned about? They're not concerned about you. They're not concerned about disappointing you anymore. They're concerned about disappointing who? Their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What would he think? I don't want to hurt his heart. I don't want to disappoint him. And you have succeeded as a parent. you got to start early in your parenting. Last one, you got to start early with your health. This is not a popular one in church, but I believe it to the core of my being. you got to start early with your health. It's been said that people give up their health to gain wealth in the beginning of their life. And then in the end of their life, they give up their wealth to gain back their health. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We neglect our bodies. We don't put the right stuff in our bodies. We don't exercise. We don't take care of ourselves. And this is, hear my words here, this is a spiritual issue. 
Okay, here's, here's the truth about you and I. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Let me say that again. It's profound. C.S. Lewis said it. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. You have a soul inside of your body. Your soul lives in your body. Have, have you not connected the dots yet to, to see how when you're not feeling well physically, it affects your spirit and affects your attitude and your soul and your emotions? Have you seen this? There's a connection between your body and your soul and your spirit. So when you take care of your physical temple, it affects your spirit on the inside, your mood, your attitude, your outlook, your perspective on life. This is what the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? All that simply means is that God lives inside of you. If you are a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ... He lives in you and was given to you by God. Watch this. You do not belong to yourself. Wow. What a statement. You're not yours. You think you're, you're yours, but you're not yours. Look what Paul continues to say here. For God bought you with a, with a high price. What price was that? The very blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased you on the cross. He redeemed you. Watch this. So, in light of that, you must honor God with your body. Wow. See, here's the deal. Your body is a lease. It's a lease. It's not yours. What do you do with a lease? You give it back. You can't treat that car any way you want to treat it. you got to take care of it because one day you're going to return it. Your body's the same way. One day you're giving that body back. You're a steward over that body. And you are responsible to, to treat it well. Because when you treat it well and you put the right things into it, and you, and you exercise and you drink plenty of fluids, you do those types of things, you are actually you're at your best you get your best performance when you're treating your body well, when you're resting right and eating right and, and doing these types of things and exercising right. Those are spiritual issues. Don't kid yourself. That's, that's, a, that's not a category out here somewhere disconnected from your spiritual life. Those are the same thing. You are a spiritual being having a physical experience, and you got to start early. I'm telling you, because here's the deal. When you start early treating your body well, there is a cumulative effect it takes time for your body to heal. And, and some of you are on the, on the other side of this. That you, you've been neglecting your body for years and years and years. Guess what? There's a cumulative effect to that as well. And it's not a good one. It'll get you in big trouble. It'll hurt you. And so you've got to reverse that and, 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 and start doing the right things with your body. You've got to start early with your body. Now, I know I just talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about starting early with your body. We talked about starting early in your parenting and your, your marriage. We talked about your money. We talked about the word of God and your relationship with God. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, man, I'm in trouble. Because I'm not doing good on four out of five of those, okay? Or three out of five. I, I, I haven't even started on those areas. I'm, I've been neglecting. I want to share with you an idea here that will give you a little hope, okay? This is a quote by Carl Bard. I told you I love quotes. Watch this. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start when? Now and make a brand new end. Let me say it again. No one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start now and make a brand new end. I love that idea. You say, I haven't been investing in a 401k. You can start now. Well, I haven't been, you know, taking care of my body. You can start now. There's research out there. I have it right here. I'm on this little note card. I love this. Did you know that if you, if you smoke cigarettes and if you stopped right now, listen to this, 
within 20 minutes, your blood pressure and heart rate return to normal. Within eight hours, your carbon monoxide levels are reduced by half and oxygen levels are returned to normal. Within 48 hours, if you quit smoking right now, chances of a heart attack are reduced greatly and all nicotine will be purged from your body in 48 hours. 72 hours, bronchial tubes will relax, energy levels will increase, and lung capacity increases. Within two weeks, if you quit cigarettes right now, your circulation increases greatly, and within three to nine months, lung capacity increases by 10%. Coughing, wheezing, and coughing-related problems due to cigarettes go away within three to nine months. So, see, some of us think, well, I'm too far gone. I haven't saved any money. I've smoked cigarettes for too long. I've done, I, my kids, they're too far gone, blah, 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 blah. I can't do it. No, listen, listen, you can, you can start now and make a brand new end. There's a, there's a guy, I can't remember his name. I got it right here, actually. I wrote it down. Uh, his name is Norman, Norman McLean. 74 years old. He wrote his first novel. Get this, ready? A river runs through it. At 74 years old. Look, I'm, I'm 37. I can't get my first book out. I'm discouraged. <laughs> but this gives me hope. This gives me, this, well, if he can do it at 74, you know, I'm not going to hopefully not wait that long, but, but, I, but that gives me hope. See? Laura Ingalls, she wrote the Little House in the Prairie series when she was in her 60s. Does that not give you hope? See, though no one can go back, back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new end. You can start now in your marriage, it, with your money, with your relationship with your children, with, an, an, with your health. You can start right now. I hope that you'll do it. So here's my question. I always come to this. So exciting. Love this question. Where do you need to start? Like, just pick one. Just, just pick one and go at it. Look, there's a new book that just came out by Tony Robbins on money. You can go get this book. He talks about everything we talked about and a ton more. I got this for Christmas. I'm about halfway through it. It's a phenomenal read. You can start right there. You say, I'm just going to learn what to do from this point on with my money. You can do that with your health. You can do that with your marriage. Where do you need to start? Let's get busy. We only get one life. We only get one go around, right? Don't you want to make the best of it? Don't you want to live to your full potential? You should, because that's why God has put you on this earth. Now, before we wrap up, I want to give those of you, some of you are here today, you need to start a relationship with God because you don't have one. You've been thinking about it. You're not a religious person. You're not a church attender. You're not even sure if you'd go to heaven if you died. You don't understand how that all works. I'm going to share with you how it works. It's very, very simple. It has nothing to do with joining a church, not this one or any other. It has nothing to do with becoming a good person or obeying the Ten Commandments. Those are good ideas. Attending a church is a good idea. Obeying the Ten Commandments is a good idea. But when it comes to going to heaven when you die, when it comes to starting a relationship with God, that's not how it works. The way you begin a relationship with God is by talking to him, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. See, here's the reality, the truth of the matter. You and I came into this world separated from God because of sin. Every one of us are sinners. We're born that way. We come into the world that way. And that's a result of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It's called the curse of sin. That's why your kids do what they do. <laughs> you didn't teach it to them, but they do it. Right? You have that problem. I have that problem. Now, God knew about that problem, so what he did is he made a way to remove that sin. And that way was Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said one time, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And what did he do? He died on a cross 2,000 years ago. Not to set up a religion. Please, please. 
He didn't come to found Christianity. That's what we did. He came to make a way and pave a way for mankind to be in relationship with God. Do you agree with that? And when you put your faith in what Jesus did for you, you receive the forgiveness of sin. See, when he died on that cross, he paid the penalty for sin. The penalty for sin is death, separation from God. And that wasn't God's intent for you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And the way that you start that relationship is by saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my life and save me. And when you do that, the Bible says you become his child and you receive eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Some of you need to make that choice right now. You need to start a relationship with God. I'd ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you feel led to begin a relationship with God, to start that right now, close your eyes, bow your head, talk to him right now because he's listening. This very moment was designed for you. What you're doing right now is putting your faith in Christ, asking him to be your savior. Say this to Jesus. Lord, I believe in you. That you died for me. That you paid the penalty for my sin. I ask you to cleanse, cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. From this day forward, help me to honor you love you and live my life to please you. I turn from my sin towards you for forgiveness and grace. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, you didn't join Emmanuel, you didn't join a church, you didn't join a religion. You became a child of God. A son of God, a daughter of God. And like any other relationship, if it's going to be a good one, there needs to be communication. Communication, communication, communication. That's why God has given us his word. So if you prayed to receive Christ today, we want to put one of these Bibles in your hands. Not so that you can say you have a Bible, but so that you can begin reading his word. And this is the primary way God speaks to us. He speaks to us other ways, through nature, through people, through pastors, situations. But the primary way he talks to us is through his word. So I, if you prayed to receive Christ today, there's a table back here to my right. If you're in the balcony, it's right down below here. And to my left, there's another table. There's a stack of Bibles back there. Someone will put one of these in your hands. If you're at Banta, there's tables in the back where you can grab a Bible. If you prayed to receive Christ, we're going to put one of these in your hands. Why? 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 Because we want you to start early in the word of God. We want the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. We want you to be filled with hope, inspiration. We want your faith to grow in Christ. Can we give God a hand for what he's done today? <laughs> sorry we went long. Very, very sorry we went a little bit long tonight. But, but here's the thing. This is important stuff. You agree? This is like, this is rubber meets, like tonight you need to start some of this stuff and invest so that you can see that mountain of goodness, that mountain of awesomeness start to grow. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about life, to talk about your word, to talk about your son, talk about how to grow. God, give us the courage to start and continue and stay on that path and that road towards the life that you have planned for us. Thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of these incredible people and speak. I hope you were honored. 
Give those who prayed to receive Jesus, your son, as their savior, the courage to go grab a Bible and begin reading. Help them to grow in their faith and absorb your words. May the word of Christ dwell in them richly. We give you all the glory and all the honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, I love you. Absolutely love you. I cannot wait for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring a friend.